Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. What's going down? Hey everybody, welcome to a brand new episode of What's Going Down. My name is Kenny McIntosh and there is a lot to talk about today. I'm joined as always by Mr. Finley Martin Finn. How are you this fine Tuesday? Yeah, I'm alright Kenny. Yeah, yeah, I'm okay. There's <laughs> been a lot to take in recently, hasn't there? There has been a lot to take in. There's a lot, a lot going on, a lot of us to keep up with. Um, and I should probably mention the elephant in the room. Um... I didn't end up getting to go to WrestleMania, which was a shame. Um, basically, when we finished recording last Tuesday, everything was pre-recorded. Um, my other half, Steve Gunn, couldn't find his passport. And we were fairly adamant we're going to find it. And then by the time we find it, we can get the last flight out of Glasgow on Tuesday night Get and then get to Heathrow in time for the Wednesday morning flight. And uh, we couldn't find it anywhere. And then... The last flight at Glasgow was fully booked, as was the first one on Wednesday morning, and there was just no way to get get down for that flight on time at 11am on Wednesday, so the trip ended up not going ahead, which was gutting, but um, what can you do? But I chose to, to be positive and to uh, not dwell with it, and we ended up having a really good week in Glasgow, and went and did things, got to watch the show with Ollie and Jen, so... You know, it could be a lot worse. Yes. Well, I'm sorry you didn't make it, Kenny. Yes. It's, but, you know, it's one of those things. And um, I'll be there next year. So 
and the pa- we'll, we'll look those passports out in sort of mid-February, maybe, just to make sure yeah. they're there. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, anyway, obviously, WrestleMania is the big story, which we were, you know, we would just be covering WrestleMania today, nights one and two. But there was a story that broke on Sunday before night two of WrestleMania. And the story was that Endeavor, who own UFC, would be buying WWE and that they would basically be, the two companies would be merging into this one super company uh, that would own both WWE and UFC. There's not a company name yet. It's also a weird story in that they're, it doesn't appear that it's a cash buy. There will be some money exchanged and some of the shareholders will get some money, but they'll then still have shares but in the new company. So, I mean, it's a very confusing yeah. story, but what did you make? For, and then we've also got the fact that Vince is back in charge, which we'll get to, and the That's fact it. that he like Gomez Adams from the, from the Adams family. That's it. He looks like, he looks like some, some cartoon villain which is just bizarre. And, so there's, uh, there's a lot for us to unpack, Finn, but let's talk sale first. Um, I know you'd written on Facebook. This was the thing that, you know, you, ne- you never thought it would happen. You never thought no. this, this thing would happen. So what have no. you been able to surmise and analyse from it um, since the official news came out yesterday, a few hours before Raw? Well, actually, before the, the uh, trading opened on Monday in the East Coast, it came out. Yes, that's right. No, I'd said long and I'd said many times I didn't think it was going to happen. Although I, I did actually, someone wrote a question into q and A Q&A in the latest issue of the magazine, and the question was, you know, who should buy it? And I was like, well, I don't know, uh, but my response was, whoever buys it has to retain the existing managerial team because if you put people in charge of wrestling who don't know wrestling, the whole thing's going to self destruct very quickly. So I kind of covered myself there, Kenny. But no, <laughs> really, I said all along, I didn't think it would sell. I'm still, you know, part of the reason I'm, I'm kind of a little bit subdued at the moment because I, I I like to think I know what's going on. And this is, this to me is, is still strange. I still haven't quite got my head around why they've done this. For the money, Finley. Well, yes, of course, for the money. But when you've got more money than you can ever spend why do you need more? I don't know. Maybe they do need more, but they've done it anyway. So, <laughs> yeah, I find it odd. Um, they've created this new company that's going to oversee WWE and UFC, and it's going to be comprised of a new board of directors. Um, but, I mean, WWE on the ground will remain, you know, they'll have autonomy. All the people there are going to have autonomy over what's going on, or so we understand. Um and nothing is really going to change that much as to in terms of day-to-day running of the organization. And I think that's been a driving force behind the deal. And also um, the uh, CEO of this new company, um, Ari Emanuel, is someone that Vince has known for over 20 years, I think he said in the CNBC interview. Yeah. So, you know, they've been given a lot of assurances there. Obviously, they've been allowed Dana White to just get on with it at UFC. And that's, you know, that sale took place in 2016. Here we are, whatever it is, nearly seven years later, and nothing much has changed there. So it's the same or similar management team in place. And it's still the UFC that it was, or to a great extent, it's still the UFC was before it was sold. So I think that's been... 
um, something that's assured McMahon and has given him the confidence to do this, knowing that they're not going to interfere in every decision and they're just going to be able to get on with it. I think that's been the driving force behind it. The stock price was down yesterday um, because of the way this deal was structured. And a lot of investors thought they were going to get a big payout, but instead it's going to be like a, a share for share deal, isn't it? And the theory is that the new shares will be worth more than the old shares. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that's not going to happen until later in the year, is it? Until this actually goes through, because it's got to it's got to receive approval, hasn't it? But yeah. we don't yeah. think that's going to be a problem because, you know, WWE and UFC are two, well, one's a sport, one's a form of entertainment. So two very different entities, um, even though they're going to be under the same, you know, corporate you know, roof. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the share price is up today for WWE. It's currently seen at $93.47 as we record this. So there is obviously confidence here that there's going to be money to be made out of this. Maybe now investors have, have kind of read more about it and understand what's at stake here or what's at play here or what's going to happen here. So there's a lot more confidence that, you can put money in WWE and get a return on your investment. But as far as, you know, my old thing was, and this was something I wrote in the latest issue, was that Vince was wanting $9 billion, And if someone came along and paid $9 billion, you know, an articulated lorry turned up, Kenny, and $9 billion in, you know, like, <laughs> you know, was, well, of course that wouldn't happen. It would, <laughs> It's not going to be cash. But you know what I mean? If actually yep. $9 billion changed hands... How long would it take them to get a return on their investment? Obviously, it would take like 45 years or something based on the current profit margin. Mm-hmm. So that was my argument as to why it just didn't make sense to me for that somebody would pay $9 billion for it. And obviously, that hasn't happened. It's a very different. Plus, we should point out, Kenny, that they've only bought 51% of the company and that, you know, Vince shareholders retain 49%. So it's, you know, obviously the new company has got a majority share, but there's still a lot of ownership stock there in the hands of Vince, isn't there, Kenny? Yeah, yeah. And I think because I think that the Vince is going to have 19% ownership of the new company is going to be what has. So he will be the biggest, he'll be like the second biggest uh, shareholder, I guess. But obviously he won't have the, 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 the say, although we should mention that was it Saturday or Sunday where, where Vince was signed to a two-year employment contract, which obviously will yes. be a way to protect him for two years. Um, and, you know, Ari Emanuel did say, you know, I told Vince he couldn't go anywhere. Look what he's done and blah, 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 blah. And um, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's a big story. Twenty A $21.3 billion company, if you uh, combine UFC and WWE. Um, and, yeah, I don't, I don't think there's, I don't think there's going to be many differences I mean, because the other thing is, Endeavor have said publicly that they do not want to deal with Saudi Arabia, but they they have to see out this deal with Saudi. Exactly. Arabia. Of course they have to, yeah. I mean, it's, plus it's worth a load of money. Yeah, so it's 50 million a show or something. Yeah, so we're, fa- we're halfway through that agreement now, five years in. I mean, to me, I was just really desperate for the Saudis not to buy WWE. That, to me, that would have been quite a tough thing in my brain for me to have to accept and to have because the constant thing hanging over our heads talking about it you know people it, it just the discourse would have been really 
tiring to to go through all the time. So at least it's not them. But um, but then you know within a day, Vince, Vince, Vince is back. He's basically running raw again. But I yeah. mean, the we have to talk about the look, Finn. He has dyed his hair jet black. He has a pencil mustache. I mean, is he taking the piss? Like, I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, he he put himself out there front and center, you know, with Ari Emanuel on this CNBC to talk about the sale and was asked some probing questions as well. This wasn't, you know, it was fairly softball, but there were a few he, difficult questions in there. It wasn't. He was, yeah, he was he was asked about last year, and he sort of said, "I've, you know, I mean, he gave some sort of bullshit answer about, you know, I've." tackled any problem head on and moved on from it so well yeah i mean you know poor you to have to you know you paid off a bunch of women because you had to yeah it's not exactly you know so but it's one of those things where unfortunately the way the world works is powerful rich white men mostly tend to be able to get away with anything and that's just the way that it is and vince is further proof of that i mean he's because what age is vince now 78 77. 77. Um, I mean, a lot of people, we're not talking about Raw today, we will talk about it on Thursday. You know, people were, I know Cage Match, it's the, rated the worst Raw of all time, which, I mean, it's nowhere near. No, it, I mean, what attention-seeking emotional incontinence is, is that, Kenny? I, I mean, mean but, it's, but it's, pure, it's purely based on the fact that Vince is backstage. And it's like, exactly. He, it's people venting, which yeah. is, you know, so, thank you, social media. It's what it's invented <laughs> for, for people to moan. <laughs> I do I do feel like, though, like I'm, I'll 100%, you know, when we see Vince stuff that's bad, I'll call it out, as will you. We will discuss it. We will slate the things that are bad. We will pr- put over the things that are good, as we would do. But, like, the, given it like, one of the worst ratings of, of, of Raw of all time, because Vince was backstage running the show, it's just a bit yeah. of a dumb reason to, you know. I mean, it wasn't a great raw. It wasn't one of the best raws of all time by a, a mile, but it was definitely not even in the top thirty percent of the worst raws that we've ever seen. You know, no, was, I thought it was okay. Yeah, I, it was. I, it was I, an average episode for I mean, for night after WrestleMania. I mean, what can you say? I mean, people are entitled to the to their opinion, but I. I... <laughs> If you think that's one of the worst roles ever, maybe you only started watching last week. <laughs> maybe you've only been watching for you know since the beginning of the year. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but, I, I mean, mean, I can't take you seriously if you think that's one of the worst roles ever. Yeah, it's a, it's insane. Um, the the one other thing I wanted to say about the sale was I do feel bad for there are going to be a lot of office staff that probably are going to lose their jobs because you know the nature of the beast if you're combining two companies is that you're not going to be able to keep everybody. You're just not. You know, there's going to be departments that are merged. But I mean, interestingly, so far, it does appear that they are going to be run as separate companies. But So I believe. So I believe, yeah. I mean, this is what happened with UFC, wasn't it? They sacked a load of people. Scores of people were sacked um, after UFC was bought out back in 16. Um, And yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be a time of high anxiety for people who work there, and understandably so. Um, and you would think that some jobs are going to be combined, although I'm I'm not I'm not really sure because they are two separate entities, UFC and WWE, and the idea of combining um, marketing teams I just don't think is going to work. 
you know, I can't, you know, it's not like two film companies merging, is it? Where both of their businesses are films. These are two very different animals, UFC and WWE, aren't they? So I don't know. I mean, maybe it won't be as brutal as people might think. Um, although, you know, this is corporate America, you know, whether it's corporate America or corporate UK, it's all pretty much the same thing. And they are going to want, this is going to be like how it was in 2021 times. I don't know how many it's going to be times, but it's going to be like that. Remember when they were cutting people and, you know, loads of people were just being ditched to try and drive up the profit margin before each quarterly earnings report. I feel like we're going to have a lot more of that, Kenny. So I think things are going to get ruthless uh, because this is big business and big business is cold and it's hard. And that's the way it is, Kenny, isn't it? Yeah. You know, it's, yeah, you can't, you can't get around it. I mean, so that's the sale news. Vince looks insane. I don't (laughs) know why he's decided this new look, you know, someone who has apparently been so conscious of his image. And you know, yeah. not want to look too old, and now he looks like. I mean, I don't know how many people have watched Frasier, but there's a great episode of Frasier where Frasier's dad, Martin Crane, comes to like a party, and he's you know he's a guy who's got grey hair, and he's he's basically dyed his hair black, but he ends up sitting near the fire, so the the hair the hair dye starts bleeding down his face, and that's where you feel Vince is going to end up. Like he's just he looks like a caricature of a human being. Like he just looks. Yeah insane but um anyway it, it is it is very weird that he would put himself out there in front of the world to announce the biggest deal that he would ever do looking like that <laughs> well listen let's dive in we're gonna start wrestlemania now we're gonna do about 40 ish minutes today left 45 minutes and then we'll pick up on thursday and go through the rest of yeah, night one if we need to or night two plus Raw, and um, yeah, I'm sure there'll be more more stuff to talk about Thursday, but um, WrestleMania night one, uh, I mean, I thought that the set looked amazing, stadium looked great, it just looked incredible, the whole thing. Yes, it certainly did. It, um, it was absolutely consistent with the theme of the show, WrestleMania goes Hollywood with the pillars and the red carpet and I mean, it wasn't over the top, was it? I mean, it could have been a lot gaudier than it was. I think it was just right. I think they just got the... I just think anything more would have been too much. And I always think of the 2013 one. The new, that was the New York, New York, New Jersey one with all the, you know, Statue of Liberty and all the skyscrapers. Brooklyn Bridge and all that, yeah. Yeah, and I remember I enjoyed enjoyed everything, but I just thought, wow, you kind of the set's kind of stolen the show here. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I think it sort of did. Um, and uh, but this one here, I think, complemented the show. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, let's dive into the show itself. We opened with uh, Becky G singing the national anthem. My favorite tweet that went out was it was my favorite tweet that I saw about Becky G singing the national anthem was somebody who wrote, great to see Gina G's daughter Becky getting a shot at WrestleMania. Um, <laughs> that was a particular <laughs> highlight for those of us who remember Univision in the 90s. That's it. And if only Chad Gable was still shorty G, he could have had some involvement, right? There you go. We could have had a family. You know, He could be the son-in-law. Anyway, it's a whole thing. Um, so we opened the show with Miz and Snoop Dogg. Snoop Dogg, who was the 
dog father of the show. Now, I assume he was on a, a poster for the show, but he was never formally announced. So what you've got to kind of assume that maybe they didn't know for sure if he was going to be there, and that's why he was never promoted, really, as being on WrestleMania. Yeah, you would think so. I mean, maybe, yeah, it does seem odd, doesn't it, for somebody who's had such a long relationship with WWE that this wasn't worked out in advance and heavily advertised. Yeah. Very odd. You know. um, but anyway, so they can intro the show, and then the opening match, as we knew, was Austin Theory versus John Cena for the US title. Um, we got a really cool video package for uh, Make-A-Wish, and we had all you know a bunch of Make-A-Wish kids whose dream was to go to WrestleMania coming out there with John Cena. And, like, whatever you can say about John Cena, good or bad, I mean, the Make-A-Wish stuff just makes him a A-plus human being, you know? Oh, yes. It's yes, just, I mean... I mean, he's, he's just brought so many, so much joy to so many kids' lives, and um, you know, I don't. I'm not going to make a silly joke now about that. He absolutely has, yeah. and uh, you've got to give him huge credit for that. No, well, I'm going to segue into a silly joke, which is that so when Cena brought joy to their lives, he then brought terror to mine because <laughs> as soon as I saw the long hair on the side of the cap, I was like, oh no, oh no. So he comes out, he takes the hat off. And I mean, the bald spot, it's grown. Yeah. It's gone bigger. I mean, Finn, has John Cena not got enough money to fly to Turkey, get the hair transplant and get back? I mean, he was in there with a guy who's had the hair transplant. Yeah. Like, get theories, get theories guys' details. Get on the floor. I mean, he works, you know, he's worked in an industry for decades that's completely preoccupied with appearance and looks <laughs> and vanity and he's gone from that industry to another industry that's completely preoccupied with looks and vanity and yet he's parading around like like that with that bald spot and it's like as if he's grown his hair longer to accentuate it insanely so the, only, just... the only thing i can think of is that he's doing a movie role which requires him to have his hair longer, but I guess on set you don't see him from behind. Yeah, I, possibly. I, I mean, he also didn't go for a tan, so he looked quite pasty. Um, but I will say this: the compliment I'll give this match. So they went about uh, well, eleven minutes, eleven and a half minutes, something like that. Yeah, this could not have gone better in the in the ring for them because it was inoffensive. There was a load of heat to it. The crowd loved it. Uh, theory one, I thought that I was I was very pleasantly surprised by this one. What did you think? Yeah, it was a slow match. Um, they didn't do a whole lot at first, but I thought that was perfect. Um, I thought Cena, I mean, apart from the no pressure STF, which was just awful, and some of the punches, Cena was okay in the ring. And you know what? When he was yelling out spots... He actually covered up his mouth with his not inconsiderable forearms. Only took him fifteen years to work that one out. <laughs> so you couldn't, you could, and I, whenever Cena's in, I'm listening at the antennas up. I'm listening out for <laughs> it because I just do because it's him, and um, I like. I thought he did a pretty good job of concealing the spot calling. So yeah. you know, thank you, John, for that. Um, so yeah, some of the punches were absurd, um, and then oh, and and then we of course we had the sleeper, 
by theory on Cena, followed by the super Cena, super Cena out of the sleeper. I mean, he always did that, didn't he, out of submission holds. It was as if he didn't understand the concept of a submission hold. And like, I guess if he's if he hasn't worked it out yet, he's never going to, is he? <laughs> so we had the we had the ref bump. See, then Cena went for the uh, AA, and then Theory grabbed the top rope. Uh, Theory did then actually tap out to the uh, STF, but there was no referee to see it. Theory then struck Cena with a low blow and hit A Town down for the pin, and Cena stayed down forever after that pinfall. He just didn't move. You know, he, did. he Cena did a great job on the night. Now, this is a kind of spoiler for Raw because you know the problem. The problem with this whole thing was Cena. Basically, all the good work here that he did didn't really mean anything because of how much he buried Theory in the lead up. So he did all this good work on the night, which was really you know he put him over. There was no you know sort of questions about it. Like you say, no. he stayed down. But he told us in the promo, even if you win, you're still nothing. So he set up, and he never came back and did anything else, but he kind of let Theory get any more. So to me, unfortunately, for John, it's another one of him just not really understanding the landscape and what he had to do. Because, you know, while Theory yeah, got a win over John Cena, does Theory feel like a bigger star now? Does he feel like, does he feel like he's got a lot of momentum or does did John Cena just say it doesn't really matter if you beat me or not because nobody believes in you I just I, I, I can't get that in my mind and I think it's a real he, he should know better I mean I know this is John Cena we're talking about so you can't really expect <laughs> you know you can't expect too much but it just it almost was like frustrating to see how great he did on the night for theory yeah. and he couldn't give him that in the lead up. Well, yeah, I do know what you mean. And the 2014 F Martin would be agreeing with you and putting the boot in. But the 2023 <laughs> F Martin, I kind of feel like it could have been a lot worse. And I agree with you, that promo was bizarre on the March 6th Raw, I believe it was. And um, things he said were just not helpful. But my theory, the theory, was that if he won and won convincingly, which he did, then he would have proven to John Cena that he did believe in himself and that people would believe in him because he beat John Cena. And that's exactly what he said. Um, I think it's actually later that night at Mania. He had a little promo, didn't he, the theory? Um, and then he brought that up as well prior to his match with Rey Mysterio on Raw. So, you know, I, I, it's hard for me to really go for Cena because I just feel like he put him over. He lost to him. He, he really sold for him on the night. I thought the match was 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 respectable. Um, so, you know, I, I've got to I've got to give Cena the thumbs up here. I've got to give Cena credit, you know. And uh, we are where we're at now. There's not really much point dwelling on what happened on March six. I'd rather really dwell on what's just happened. And I think I thought Theory seemed empowered, energized when he came out on Raw. But I mean, I guess we'll see what happens next. I mean, I think the company is so is totally behind Theory and absolutely believes that he can be a top guy. And I think he can be as well. So 
I'm not saying no, I'm done, but I think it could have been a hell of a hell of a lot worse, Kenny. You're looking for the positives. I am, yeah, I am. I, I don't really I don't I used to really obviously really used to nail Cena and I had a lot, lot of anger towards him because of the things he did. And I'm kind of I, I've got to sort of I'm 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 willing to sort of not forgive him, but I can sort of excuse the March six promo because coming from him. He probably feels, well, Well, I did this, I'm running the guy down, but the end of the story is I'm putting him over. So Theory's made me look like a buffoon. He's made he's proven me wrong. So that there more than counterbalances the damage that Cena did to Theory in the promo. Um, well, up next on the show, we had the showcase match for the men, which was Braun Strowman and Ricochet, the Viking Raiders, Alpha Academy and the Street Profits. Uh, this match went up eight and a half minutes. The Street Profits got the win. And this crowd ate up this match. They loved it. And I thought that they actually really over-delivered compared to what people thought it was going to be. Yes, this was perfect. This was a WrestleMania match to a T because they all did, or nearly everyone in the match, not everyone, but most, lots of people in the match had WrestleMania moments. And, you know, they save them for this match. They just throw them out willy-nilly on a TV show. They save these big moves for a big match where it mattered. I mean, Gable, Chad Gable did the Chaos Theory suplex on Braun Strowman. Um, Strowman did a top rope splash. Um, I mean, there was like Ricochet did like a shoot a springboard shooting star to the floor, didn't he? I mean, that was just incredible. Um, and there was all these other big moves and dives that you would only really see at WrestleMania. And I think for the time they had, they didn't do too much. And every big spot mattered. I mean, this is the sort of match that all the spot mon- monkeys and the tumblers out there need to study to understand, you know, that you don't need to do too much in a match. You need to do just enough. And by doing less, the you know, it's the old less is more thing. But it's like, well, that's funny, isn't it, that you mentioned Frazier earlier, Ken? <laughs> but, I mean, it's absolutely right. If you go back, if you look at the... I mean, it did help that it was the occasion and such an amazing atmosphere, but it all just came together in this really neat, explosive, exciting package with all these amazing stunts that you would not see on a normal TV show or normal premium live event. So I thought it was pretty much perfect as a match. Uh, fans went wild for Street Profits' win. Um yeah, and it was Dawkins who scored the pin on Ricochet. So big win for Dawkins. Yeah, big win for him. I did just want to add something that kind of uh, I was thinking about. I was talking to Sandra about it on Patreon. And it's worth bringing up here. It's something that I think about this match made me understand why the Young Bucks, as an example, are maybe not for me, is because a lot of the stuff that we saw in this match, you would see in a Young Bucks match, or you would see in people who wrestle like them. And I think the reason that this worked when for with them a lot of times it doesn't is because this match benefited from there was no story. There was nothing going on. So this could just be here's a bunch of athleticism and that's it. And it works yeah. because there's nothing else going on. Whereas when you have a story and you have, you know, something that you're invested in why, you know, this team's gonna beat that team or this guy beat up this guy or whatever, then it kind of needs to be more than just move, 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 move. There needs to be more drama and more kind of uh, 
thought in it than just kind of here's loads of spots. So I think that's maybe why for me personally, I struggle with the Bucks because when they're in really big pay-per-view matches and storylines that are supposed to mean something, I feel like we get a lot of this kind of stuff, which really to me, for when it works for me, should be reserved for a situation like this where it's just, you know, it's a showcase rather than a story. Yeah, and also in the books matches, they do all the big moves every week. Yeah, that's true. You, you see it every, every time. Rather. They don't use them sparingly or, you know, they'll maybe preserve something for a pay-per-view event, but they do they do so much in their matches that it's a blur and it's just one huge move after another. It's like a match for the Fast and Furious generation. That's what it is. Um, yeah. Well, by the way, I watched the, the new Fast and Furious uh, trailer, Kenny, and I think they end up on the moon. John Cena's in this uh, film, by the way. And uh, yeah, they're, all drive, they're driving these vehicles. I believe they're on the moon. <laughs> Jeez, oh. Um, yeah, not not for me. But I, I, look, I, I, people enjoy the Fast and Furious movies more power to them. Next on WrestleMania, we had the Logan Paul Seth Rollins match. We had a conductor there for Seth. We had Logan going down on a, um, you know, I, was, I've lost the ability for the word. Uh, like an aerial runway. Yeah, like an aerial runway. He was on like a, a which the thing that Shawn Michaels used. What's yeah, it that, called? yeah, like a zip line. That's a zip line. It. That's what it's called. A zip line. He's on a zip line. We always called them aerial runways when we used to build them. We used to build those in, when we was in Scouts, Kenny. Did you? Know, you? Yeah, to build aerial runways. There you go. Well, it, it, he came in an aerial runway. Uh, Seth had the conductor to play him out. He came in a ridiculous outfit, as he's known to do. And uh, they ended up going just over 16 minutes. How did Seth and Logan deliver on the night for you? When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Should, uh, well, I thought it was uh, kind of slow at the beginning um, and didn't took a while to get going. I thought this match did. So um, I was thinking, hmm, are they going to are they going to really nail it here? We should mention that Logan Paul came out with a man in like a prime, like a prime, which is his drink uh, range, his drinks brand. A guy wearing this like sort of outfit with like a, he was dressed up like a prime bottle. So we should mention that he was at ringside. And that's important as the match wears on. So I thought the match really did intensify. I mean, it really did come alive as it as it uh, motored uh, towards its conclusion. Um, 
I think Rollins at one point stomped on Paul's right hand, which I really like that spot because I said beforehand when we were talking about this that he'd sold that right hand. And if he doesn't sell that right hand in the match, that's going to look ridiculous. So they prepared for that by Rollins stamping on Logan Paul's right hand so that when he hit him, he couldn't hit him with the same might as he had previously. So he was able to survive the subsequent cover. Um, we uh, we learned that KSI, who's one of Logan Paul's pals, was in the prime outfit. There's a great spot where Logan Paul had um, Rollins outside the ring on the announce desk and Paul was on the top turnbuckle and KSI was there with his phone trying to take like a, like a selfie of himself and Rollins on the table. Uh, and then Rollins pulled... KSI onto the table and rolled out of the way just as Paul leapt off the top turnbuckle and hit KSI with a splash on the table. I thought the timing on that was great. So Paul flew off the top turnbuckle, hit his buddy, and they broke the table, and that was like a huge spot. Um, so we had like quite a lot more action after that. I thought, is that the finish? And instead we had like loads more like near falls. I, I was amused, Kenny, you probably noticed this one as well. That uh, Paul hit the GTS on Rollins <laughs> and then hit a frog splash um, and uh, Rollins still kicked out. So yeah. that felt like an FU to CM Punk. I thought that was really amusing. One of the highlights of WrestleMania for me. Um, in the end, Rollins nailed Paul with a super kick as Paul went for a coast to coast. And then hit the stomp for the pin. I just thought this was killer. I thought it was laid out brilliantly. And uh, yeah, last two thirds I thought were really good. First third was kind of slow, but you know what? It didn't matter because, you know, I think that was needed. Um, you know, as part of the story they were telling. And I just thought everything just all interlocked uh, perfectly. Kenny, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot of matches, a lot of matches, kind of suffer from the first few minutes being a bit slow. Like it's quite hard to have a full match that gives you everything the whole time. But I thought that they built to the good bits, and because that, like you say, this the second and third parts of it were so good that it kind of just made up for it. Um, Logan Paul kind of defies how good he is. I, I don't understand how he's as good as he is in the ring. He just gets it. The fact that he's now embracing being a heel is just so much better because he's not a babyface. He's not likable. Um, and now he's, you know, there's a bit where when Seth Rollins is coming out and he gets in the ring and he's doing his, you know, conducting. And it, you can just see in the corner Logan Paul yawning at yeah. Seth's routine. And it's like, that's a good heel who do, who's doing stuff like that. He's playing to the camera when he's not even supposed to be in the shot, really. But that's... Yeah. There's there's people there's wrestlers who we watch week to week who've been doing this 10, 15 years who don't do that kind of stuff. Oh so, yeah. Yeah. I mean he's you can see the thing about him is he thinks it through. Yeah. And this is what more wrestlers should do. Think your performance through. Why are you doing that? Do you need to do that? You know, what's the psychology behind it? But that's the understanding of the psychology of a match. Is that why are you doing those things? If they are not needed, don't do them. Are they going to enhance the match? No. Well, don't do them, you know, and if it's fewer bumps, well, that's great for your longevity and your post-wrestling life. So, I mean, you know, you see Logan Paul, every big move he did in this match, you know, was absolutely necessary and was an integral part of the story they were telling. 
Um, and you can say, well, he's working with Seth Rollins, who's, you know, top five in the world. And yeah, they've got the best producers and, you know, people backstage. And of course they have. But I mean, I still still feel like Logan Paul is bringing a lot to his matches. I don't feel, feel like he's just sat there and someone's telling him what to do. I think he's contributing loads to what he does. Yeah, I would agree. And a big, big triumph on the night, this one. So uh, great stuff. Um, then we had uh, Becky Lynch, Trish Stratus and Lita against Damage Control in a six-woman tag. Trish Stratus actually had a kind of nod, I don't know if you clocked this, to her WrestleMania 21 gear that she had the last time WrestleMania was in LA. And she was on the card and it was kind of an updated version of that gear, which I thought was clever. Um, yes, they did acknowledge that in commentary, I think. But uh, this was, to me, the one proper match on night one that I just don't think really delivered. Um, I, I actually was expecting less from this than it gave us. Um, I mean, I think the audience were into a lot of it. Um, there isn't, they don't have an emotional attachment with Lita, unfortunately, anymore. Um, so, I mean, every time she was in there, it, it was a problem. Uh, I think everyone else really tried very hard to make the match work. Amazing springboard drop kick uh, from Eo Sky on on Lynch. Uh, I thought Lynch sold well, and she realised that she was the she was the workhorse of her team, and she had to really make it make it matter. I think Lita was in there too long. Um, you know, uh, she made a hot tag to Stratus. I mean, Stratus was slightly better. I think Damage Control really sold so much for the uh, for the veterans. Um, Lita saved Lynch from uh, Bailey's rose plant. Um, Eo did a moonsault to the floor. Thought that looked really good. I mean, I thought they really tried, and the match was. I thought it was. I thought it was okay. Well, actually, I thought it was. I would say it was. It was pretty good. I'd say this was a pretty good match. In the end, Lynch pinned Bailey after a manhandle slam from from the middle rope, wasn't it, Kenny? From the middle rope for the pin. Um, the problem with the match, Kenny fundamentally was it didn't matter that was the problem with it it did not matter so that was i think the reason why the crowd was subdued at times um and also because you know i just think lita's time has been and gone so um you know hopefully they'll lose the belts next week on raw i mean sadly it's going to be to smiley raquel and Lev. Which you know, is, <laughs> I don't know if that's any better. But yeah, I mean, th- this match just suffered from Lita's bad, damage control, have no credibility. No, Becky feels that she should be doing something else. I mean, I felt quite sorry for Trish. I was like, could we not? You know, could Becky and Trish have not just had their match here rather than the six women? It just, it just didn't. It was fine, but it, the crowd weren't really into it because there wasn't. Yeah, I, I, I mean, to me, it should have been Becky and Trish as tag champs against Ronda and Shayna. That was the match, you know, yeah. we should have had. And um, that, that there would have been so much for them to talk about. And it wouldn't, I mean, I know Ronda was injured and Shayna was injured as well, the match. So, I mean, that might have been a problem. <clears throat> but to me, they should have defended the tag team belts here. It should not have been a six-woman match. It should have been a tag team title defence. Yeah. Um, the... Uh... Yes, yeah, so, so I mean, it, it wasn't a bad match. It was fine. I think it's just everything else on night one was so good and delivered so high that this kind of just became the one that didn't. Um, we then had the entrances for Ray and Dominic Mysterio's match. Dom is getting led through a jail cell, through a, a, a 
you know, prison van to come out. He's in handcuffs. He had uh, the mask from Halloween Havoc 97 on from Ray and Eddie. And then two minutes later, we've got Ray coming out with Snoop Dogg and a lowrider to Eddie Guerrero's theme. Um, yeah. I mean, the entrances here were just 10 out of 10. Yeah. You know, they yeah. were. And, and they, so then what they did do, which props to WWE for doing this and not advertising it, is Cinnamon Toast Crunch, the cereal, sponsored this match, but they didn't tell you beforehand. And it just sort of appeared. And we were forced to deal with it immediately. Um, so it's just kind of you know it's there but it's not being shoved in your face but how did you feel Ray and Dom did on the night Ray got the win we had lots of shenanigans but did they deliver on this story that you know is months and months in the making I mean expect a load more of that it's going to be all over the ring canvas soon isn't it yeah you know it's just going to be every match is going to be sponsored I can't wait for money money in the bank where it's you know White Lightning sponsors the Brock Lesnar match (laughs) <laughs> they, uh, they can just buy MVP promos. Well, maybe Hall- Halle Burton. They're the ones who, uh, they're the uh, briefcase manufacturer, are they? Yeah, yeah. There you go. Get them involved. Uh, they'll be, I mean, it, it is what it is. It doesn't bother me. I find it quite funny, you know, that when, when it happens. So, but what, yeah, what did you think of Ray and Dom? Did they deliver? Yeah, I thought they did. I mean, I actually thought some of this match was a bit clumsy. And you can see they were having problems with some stuff. It was nowhere near as smooth as I thought it was going to be. And I think Ray's a really good spot caller. You never see it. You never hear it. But you you just knew when the match was not going quite according to plan that he was there saying to Dom, get it together, son, get it together. This is our big night, you know. And so there was a few moments here where I thought it could have been better, especially for a WrestleMania match. Um I was amused that uh, um, Aaliyah and Angie were at ringside and Dom threw a drink in Aaliyah's face. And then, uh, you know, Dom, you know, then Angie slapped Dom and that was really funny. Um, we had Legado del Fantasma out to attack Finn Balor and Damien Priest when they came out to help Dominic. Uh, we also had Bad Bunny's involvement. I was thinking, oh, no. And then we got the angle that we saw on Raw. Yes, we're going to have a tag team match at Backlash, aren't we, Kenny? But we'll talk about that on Thursday. So, I mean, yeah, I thought it was... uh, I enjoyed it. I said when we did our preview that I wanted Dominic to win. And on the night, I realised that it was the right decision to have Ray to win. It absolutely was. So, um, you know, full marks to WWE for recognising that. I think it would have just been all wrong had Dom won. And obviously the feud's going to continue. We know this from Raw. So, yeah, I enjoyed it. I thought it could have been a bit a bit better in the ring, but I don't think it really mattered because the story was so strong, as you said. This has been going on since Clash at the Castle. So, um, you know, this was a nice culmination of a story that began in September, Kenny, wasn't it? Yeah, back in September at Clash at the Castle. Yeah, they, I think they did a great job. This was like a real sports entertainment style match. And over the last kind of few years, WWE haven't really delivered those sports entertainment style matches the way they used to when they were really effective. So I think the fact they're doing it again is a is a really good sign. So, um, and you know, Angie's Angie's slap on Dominic Finn, you could cut the tension with a knife. Listen, with I'm converted. Slap. You know, there I was mocking Angie. 
I'm converted. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an Angie fan now. That's yeah. it. There you go. We we are the Angie stands here on what's going down. Um, and you know, having having kind of Bad Bunny be involved there towards the end was 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 clever. Um, the LWO. There was loads of stuff. So, um, really good. Then we had um Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley for the SmackDown Women's Title, and I had very low expectations of this going in just because of the kind of lack of story. But I mean, Finn, they are getting plaudits across the globe for this one. Um, people are raving about this. Charlotte put Rhea over. They had a really hard hit match, and uh, you know, are I mean, I think they over delivered. What do you think? Yeah, I think at the beginning, um, Rhea to me looked a bit miffed because they weren't provoking as much of a reaction as I think that she thought they should have provided. Um, I think there was actually a few scrappy moments in this as well. So uh, I know a lot of people saying that this was tremendous and everything, and it was really good. Uh, but there was definitely some few communication problems here. Um, I mean, they got away with it because it was a long match. There was, you know, the big match pauses when they're doing the big sell, which was something, you know, New Japan always does really well or, you know, you did a few years ago when I still cared about that promotion. Um, I mean, there was like a really weird landing at one point where um, uh, Rhea did a um, German suplex on Charlotte, who did like a somersault instead of just going landing on her shoulders. And she came, she landed on her face and got a really nasty rope burn on her nose. That looked pretty bad, Kenny, actually. That was a bit of a bungled spot. Um, I mean, Flair kicked out of the riptide, which was, I don't know, was that the first time anyone's ever done that? But I mean, that was a huge, huge near fall there. And um, in the end, Ripley won with the riptide off the middle rope, uh, which was absolutely the right decision. <clears throat> you know, I'd said this needed to be Rhea Ripley's night. And that Charlotte needed to put her over. I think it would have been devastating for Rhea had she not won here because of the way the story was, you know, there wasn't much of a story going in, but the story was that Charlotte had beaten her three years ago and it was a different Rhea Ripley now. And Rhea had a number and she needed to beat Charlotte. And she this was her destiny to become SmackDown Women's Champion at the expense of Charlotte Flair at WrestleMania. So she desperately needed this win and they gave it to her. Um, I would have liked to, at ringside afterwards, Charlotte was at ringside and she was there and she applauded Rhea. And they kind of cut away from that. I would have liked to have seen a, link, a long lingering camera shot on that. Um, so I would have liked to have seen more of Charlotte acknowledging that Rhea was the better woman on the night and deserved mm-hmm. to be champion. Um, but I think overall it was a really tough match. Felt big, just felt like a big match. And you're right, they did deliver, even if it was a bit rough in places. Um, then we had the impromptu match following the announcement of the attendance. Um, Which was a massive exaggeration, of course. Yeah, I think the, the real number was 66,000 and they announced 80,497. Yeah, I think so. And, and this is actually the point here as well when Austin Theory did his little backstage promo and he said, do you believe in theory now? He did. He did. He did indeed. Um, but yeah, so Mez basically said he'd done an open challenge on social media, but nobody responded. And then Pat McAfee came out to make his return. And we ended up getting a short match with Pat McAfee and the Mez. And McAfee did some fun stuff. Um, he had some help from a NFL player called George Kissel. Um, 
I mean, it was harmless. I mean, I will say watching this live, this was about 4, 10 a.m. So we were ready for the main event. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> you know, I think McAfee, it would be really good if he was in a, you know, came and did a match that was kind of a, a story and a program or something. Because um, he can obviously do some cool stuff. But I mean, this was fine. I mean, it was okay. I mean, I just couldn't help thinking about how over he was at WrestleMania last year. And he had like, you know, the best entrance of anyone at WrestleMania last year, as far as I'm concerned, with coming out to White Stripes number, Seven Nation Army, and he had the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders, and he was so over. And he had the match with uh, Austin Theory, didn't he, at WrestleMania last year? Or Theory as he was then, I think. He did, yeah. But then, then, of course, he had the... He had the great. He had the match with Theory that was so well received last year at WrestleMania, but then he did have the Baron Corbin match at SummerSlam. Yes, not go down as well. No, he didn't. So, um, but yeah, I mean, McAfee the the connection with the audience isn't as strong as it was a year ago because he's been absent since was it September time, October? I think it was September. I think he yes. left, wasn't it? Around about then. Um, so if he's coming back. I mean, if he's going to do anything in future, I would rather he built it up and gave us a story and gave us a reason for it to happen rather than it being an impromptu thing. And yeah, he he did some fun stuff here and he always looks good in the ring, but this didn't really mean anything. And if you think about the matches he had last year, they they did. So um, he was probably a bit disappointed by it here. It was kind of a little comedy spot, wasn't it? Whereas last year at WrestleMania, he felt like a big deal. Here he just felt like a bit player. Yeah, but I think I think that kind of does speak to the idea that if he was around and he was in a program, I think people would be into it. But you know, you can't keep you can't keep cashing on a guy on a guy's eighteen month run by having him appear once every you know four months. Yeah, it's just, not, it's just you're going to lose it. So exactly. So I mean, either do it properly or don't do it at all. That would, that would be my advice. But the good thing is because there was those stories out there that Pat McAfee was not coming back because he was waiting to see who bought WWE. Like he didn't really want to be involved with the Saudis or anybody who he doesn't want to work with. So you would figure Endeavor would fit the mold of what he would be comfortable with. So mm. maybe that means that we do see him a little bit more often because now he can kind of rest assured that if he gets involved and he you know spends a few months a year in WWE that he doesn't need to worry about the backlash of who is behind the company. I mean, yes, ironically, mm-hmm. but yeah. Um, and then it was time for the main event after a quick performance from Lil Uzi Vert. You know, we're big fans of him here in the podcast, obviously. Um, but uh, I think I fast forwarded that bit. <laughs> well, it was a very short performance that uh, you know is not going to linger in your mind. Um, the Usos against Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn for the undisputed tag team titles did close night one. The fans um, were very into this once it got going, especially when Sammy was taking all the punishment. And in the end, Kevin and Sammy were able to get the win with Sammy taking out Jay poetically with three halluva kicks before they won the belts. The crowd were going crazy for this. And, uh, you know, they, they, they gave him that big culmination moment that we hoped for. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I mean, this was the reward for what Sammy had done for Roman at Elimination Chamber. This was the outcome we all expected. And this was this was really the quintessential example in pro wrestling of how giving people a predictable outcome is not the wrong thing to do. If it's the right outcome, then you do it, even if it's predictable. And I thought they, they kept us guessing right to the end. 
I thought the near falls were were red hot. Zane kicked out of the 1D. They said on commentary that was the first time ever. Uh, Jay hit a halluva kick. Zane uh, nailed Jay with an exploder. And then KO uh, hit a stunner. And that was a terrific near fall. Uh, KO kicked out of a double splash. Um, KO actually called something really loudly just, just before the finish, Kenny. I was like... Wow, you you just yelled that out, Kevin Owens. <laughs> Shut your mouth. Uh, then in the end, Zane hit three halluva kicks on Jay for the pin and the titles. Yeah, perfect outcome. I thought the match was really well done. And it was the... They couldn't have picked a better match to close the show. And <laughs> what a contrast from night from night two, right, Kenny? <laughs> Yeah, we will we'll get to that tomorrow. But I mean I mean this was a lot of people were saying at the end of night one that they thought this was one of the, the best nights of WrestleMania ever in terms of yeah. the match quality, the results, the, the booking. It was a big hit. Did you echo those sentiments? Yeah, I can't think of a better one. Show me a better WrestleMania card. Well, yeah, especially in terms of match quality. The booking decisions, you know, the, the culmination in, in in story. It felt like at the end of night one, it was weird because I think at the end of night one, when I was looking at all the responses on Sunday, it was just pretty much a hundred percent positive. Even people who don't particularly love WWE and you know are loath to have to compliment them, they were complimenting it. They were saying, you know, you can't argue with how good that was. Um, and yeah, Sunday did not share those those thoughts for various reasons but I think it'll make for some interesting discussion on Thursday that we can go through um yes. but yeah night one was it was a big success and um yeah I mean let me just ask before we go I mean we can talk about it as a bigger conversation on Thursday but do you think with Vince back in charge that it is going to go back to exactly the same way it was pre-Triple H and all the good work is going to be undone? Or do you think that some of the good work is going to be able to stick around with Triple H still having a role, um, just maybe not like the complete deciding role? I think it'd be a combination. I think there'll be, there will be frustrations. I think there'll be things will happen that will very obviously be attributed to Vince, um, you know, blamed on Vince. And in some ways, you know, if Paul Levesque plays it plays it uh, politically, you know, politically savvy way, you know, he can actually become the babyface in this um, arrangement or this re- booking relationship. Yeah. You know, Vince can be the bad cop and he can be the good cop. <laughs> so yeah, there's going to be challenges ahead. It's a strange time, as I said at the beginning of the podcast. Um, I don't really know how much is going to change in terms of creative. I don't think much will initially. Um, I mean, it's hard to know, isn't it, down the line? I think they're going to start sort of sneaking things in and, you know, a lot of, a lot of things are going to happen. It rem- I, I keep having flashbacks to 2021, particularly that November, you know, when they sacked a load of people, November mm-hmm. 2021. Yeah. And I just have, you know, I know some people do need to go. I wrote about that in my letter. What else is going down, Colin? By the way, um, and named names, named. I put name names, Kenny. You know, I'll, I, you know, I'm the hatchet man. <laughs> so I think we're going to have a lot of that, and I think there's going to be a lot of 
annoyances for longtime fans. Um, but you know what? In some ways, Kenny, that's almost like what social media is seeking from this. Because they're yeah. only happy, Kenny, when it rains, these people. <laughs> I mean, I do think, you know, for me, the big test is going to be Gunther. You know, Vince yeah. was not a fan of him before. Even So the idea is that apparently Triple H will remain the chief content officer, the head of creative in terms of the day-to-day, and Vince is only going to be, you know, in charge of upper level stuff which you know he was he had the headset on and Ronnie was changing things so he's not just going to be doing the upper level stuff but I guess the hope is that Triple H is going to be able to get some of his like a a happy medium that's what we want here isn't it yeah just get you know because not everything that Vince did was bad I mean a lot of it was bad but not all of it you know the Cody story did start under Vince so you know there is that to think about um and it was, I didn't realize I was listening to a story today that uh, Dave Meltzer was talking about how when the, the, when Cody came in, Vince flew to meet him. Vince flew to meet Cody. So he was instrumental in Vince coming in. Uh, sorry, Cody coming in. So Vince has still got his uses. I mean, he's a cretin, but, you know, he's still got his uses uh, business-wise. But, yeah, you just, all you can do is hope that it doesn't go back to the complete way it was pre Vince, because then you know the Sami Zayn type stuff might not get a chance to flourish. But um, yeah, I mean, also, I mean, it's the erratic. I mean, the erratic decisions. Yeah, and just the, the and the gimmicks that are clearly not going to work, and especially when people are repackaged who don't need to be repackaged. It's like doing things because we can, not because it's the right decision, or yeah. doing things because it amuses Vince. You know, that he entertains Vince and Vince doesn't care what his audience thinks. Because, you know, he's always had a love-hate relationship with the audience. And you know that it amuses him when he does things that upset people. You know that's that's the case and it has been for decades. So you just got to hope that, yeah, Vince is only going to concentrate on a few big things and yeah. just let Paul Levesque do the mid-card, lower-level stuff, and have some involvement in top-level stuff as well, um, and try and build on what he did, what he has achieved when Vince has had limited involvement, um, and just really minimise that stuff that that doesn't really seem to serve any purpose other than, you know, burying people, you know. So, yeah, it's... We'll have to wait and see, Kenny. It's it's really hard to know what's going to... What's going to go down? What's going to occur? It's it's really very odd. I think the fact that Vince was out there front and centre when this announce, announcement was made, he did the interview, it's it's just uncanny how things change, isn't it? You think you go back to last July when he retired suddenly and he was out in disgrace and vilified. And here we are, you know, in April, um, you, know, you know, like... Nine months later, not even nine months later, eight months later, he's back and he's the man again. And it's it's bizarre, isn't it? How some people just get a some people and some people are just cancelled, aren't they, in the world now? You know, and sometimes for, not for the not for reasons where they actually deserve it, but some people are cancelled and they have to go away and we never see them again. And look at Vince. And you just think, how is the guy back again in the forefront of this biggest deal he's ever done after what went down and what he was accused of doing last year? It's just it makes you it makes it, do, it makes you sad. 
in a yeah. way. Because, you know, our job is to cover this stuff. We've spent the majority of our adult lives on this, you know, this 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 job, this stuff. And for somebody like him to do what he did and then kind of get a free pass almost is really demoralizing. But at the same time, you know, I mean, he can't live forever. So, you know, hopefully at some stage he is not involved in this anymore. Because the thing is, even though, you know, I know Ari, Ari Emmanuel's given it the, Cotton's in Glasgow, given it the big game, which means, you know, given it all the bravado, given it all the chat, the chat. Yeah, that's fine at the beginning. But at the end of the day, Vince isn't in charge anymore. And if in three years' time he is doing stuff that is hurting WWE, then they can step in and they can sort of... Yeah. You know, make and and also there will be people at Nick Can and Paul Levesque and different people who there will come a point where they will they will work to get him ousted if they feel they need to, and you know we'll be here covering all that as well. So you know, yeah, and, yeah, and this was the whole reason why I, from the start, have written this and said this many times. And I'll just keep it brief. Yep. This is the reason why I find it bizarre that Vince has done this because to me he was a guy that enjoyed the power. And in a way, he doesn't have that anymore. He he's not the he's not the power. He's not the supreme leader anymore. And that could very well be his fate. Vince, you're fired. <laughs> well, with with that hope in our minds for one day, um, WrestleMania Night One, big success. We will of course cover WrestleMania Night Two in detail with all the uh, the booking decisions and the quad tears. <laughs> And everything else that happened in that show, we will go into detail about it. But Finn, I want to thank you as always for, you know, for perking me up. You know, if I'm not in California, I'm glad I'm here talking to you. Yes. Yes. Well, we got through. That's it. We got through WrestleMania. We didn't have time for SmackDown. Who knows if we're going to have any time for Raw. Maybe have a little bit of a chat about Raw on Thursday. But we'll definitely be coming WrestleMania night too. We know that for sure. We will. We will be back on Thursday. So we hope you enjoy your week and we'll chat to you soon, everybody. softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.